This is Internet Bowlers Podcast, Episode 64. This is the Internet Bowlers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Bowlers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to have Adam Urbanski in the Baller Circle. Adam is here to talk to us about his business, to talk to us about how he coaches clients, and uh, Adam is known worldwide as a the multimillionaire marketing mentor. Adam is the go-to guy for coaches, consultants, and other successful service professionals who want to attract more clients, convert more high-value sales, build an authority brand, and grow a lifestyle business that makes a bigger impact while generating more income. So Adam, uh, I'm glad to have you on the show. I wanted to dig into you know really how you impact uh, your clients. But before we get into that, I wanted to get a, a better picture of, uh, of, of your background, where you grew up, kind of what life was like that led you uh, into wanting to become a marketing mentor in the first place. Sure, sure. Well, I appreciate this. You know, thank you for having me on the show, first and foremost. That's uh, truly a privilege and an honor. I never take it for granted and appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of my story with your audience. Um, you know, so like you mentioned, I'm, grown, I'm known as the Millionaire Marketing Mentor today, but uh, I started up in Poland. I grew up in Poland. I was born in a very small town in uh, southwestern Poland. And by the time I finished my high school, I decided, hey, you know, in America, money grows on trees, so why don't I go and pick me some? <laughs> that that was essentially my story. And I uh, got a visa to come to the United States, got a hotel paid for 10 days. I got uh, $194 in my pocket, and then I could speak a few things in English like, um, excuse me, sir, how do you do and do you have the time or things like this. That's awesome. And if someone answered, I had, I had no clue what they were saying back to me, like totally clueless. So, you know, that's kind of the beginning. And my parent in in communist Poland, uh, when I was leaving in 89, communism was just kind of falling apart. The Berlin Wall went down and there were very few businesses that were allowed to own to be owned privately in Poland. There were typically butchers, bakers and shoe repair shops. Mm. And so my father, you know, owned a bakery. And even though I was not a baker, just by the nature of things, you were always kind of required as a family business to step up whenever needed. So from the very you know early age, I was accustomed to kind of moving around the bakery, helping as much as possible, doing whatever I could do. So um, my first job in the United States was actually a baker. Hmm. And you know, my guy calls me at four o'clock in the morning and says, hey, if you want a job, it's yours, but you've got to be here in you know 45 minutes because my guy didn't show up. And I'm like, okay, I'm there. You know, within 45 minutes of me arriving there, he knew I was not a baker. But let me tell you, by the time my shift was done, I was a fully fledged baker because I knew that if I don't get this job, I'm pretty much, you know, SOL. <laughs> so that's awesome, man. I love that. You took action. You made it happen. You learned something you didn't know anything about. <laughs> always, always. You know, I think that's one of the lessons I teach entrepreneurs a lot, which is, you know, when you our entire society is based um, it is, is structured to be almost anti-entrepreneurial. Hmm. To be an entrepreneur, you have to catch a disease almost and kind of go with it. Uh, and I, on purpose to say disease, because structure of everything is permission-based. Mm -hmm. You know, to get to a certain school, you've got to have permission from other people. To get a promotion, call yourself a supervisor, director, a VP. 
in a company, you've got to have someone else's permission and approval. In academic world, same thing. In order to call yourself, you know, a professor or whatever, you know, an MBA, you've got to have permission from other people. As an entrepreneur, it does not exist. Mm-hmm. You know, going to school, to college and taking entrepreneurial courses does not make you an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, getting an MBA in entrepreneurialism does not make you an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, you essentially anoint yourself something and then you work your tail off to prove it. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And and I think that's so true because uh, so I am someone I have an MBA and, uh, you know, I remember when I was applying to business school, one of the things that was interesting is there, there were all these articles that were going out around the time about whether or not uh, like what's the value of an MBA and, and should you mm. go to school or not. Right. And one of the things that, they, that there was a, there was a study that were, they were talking about, like um, people who went to Harvard undergrad and people who went to Harvard business school. And they were saying that uh, the interesting thing was that there are more entrepreneurs from Harvard undergrad than there are for Harvard business school, which you would mm. think would be the opposite. Right. You would think that the business school would be cranking out, you know, all these entrepreneurs. But really, it's not. It's the undergrad <laughs> cranks out a lot more. And many of those people are people who didn't even finish the program. You know, they got there. Interesting. They realized I'm, I, I have all the skills that I need that I need to be an entrepreneur right now. So I don't even have to finish this degree in order for me to go out and do what I want to do. Um, and so I, I think that that I think your take on entrepreneurship uh, is, is right in that um, if you are expecting to go to school and expecting that this school is going to teach you all the things you need to be an entrepreneur, then your 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 expectations are higher than they should be. Now, I'm a big believer in school, and I think I learned a lot um, in, in both undergrad and, 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 and by MBA, but I think from when it, when it comes to entrepreneurship, there's just that's kind of the starting point, right? You get out of school, and now you have to learn um, how to really survive in the world and, and, and get, learn a skill that people are going to be able to, willing to pay for um, and, and uh, see, the, see the real value. And so I, I definitely um, agree, with you, agree with you there. Yeah, I don't even know if it's a starting point. I think, you know, so as I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a high school graduate, mm-hmm. all right? So, and, and when I started my current business, pretty much 100% of my clients were people with typically uh, at least an MBA, most likely with a PhD, some of them, you know, double PhD. And I sort of laughed at it and look, here's here's a high school grad and you've got all this education and you come into to me to show you how to make money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I've grown older, I, I um, developed a lot of appreciation for people who go through the process, get an MBA, get a PhD. But I don't think it's a starting point. I think uh, it's a it's a certain process. It's kind of like being an Olympian. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to be success in life. But if you learn how to translate the skills that you needed to develop to become an Olympic level athlete, to, to acquire an MBA, to get PhD. You know, there's discipline, there's focus, there's productivity. Uh, those are all, you know, there's there's working with teams, uh, there is acquiring resources. Uh, there, I'm all of skills that are very helpful to become an entrepreneur, but what's missing is people don't get a translation key. Mm-hmm. So unless they acquire the translation key, they kind of get lost. It's like, yeah, I've got all this know-how, but what do I do with it? Right, right. No, I totally agree with you, and that's and that's awesome. That's a great point that you made. Um, so, so 
you know, you're a marketing mentor. Uh, and, you know, you talked about your experience of going into the bakery and become a you know a full fledged baker within a day. How did you translate that into to to marketing? How did you learn the marketing um, piece? And uh, and 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 really, how did you decide at one point that you wanted to be a coach? Yeah. So you know, there's like different. You know, like there's this famous Steve Jobs. Um, uh, commencement speech where he says you can only connect the dots looking backwards, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing for me. There are some things that that happened that I thought were a bad thing in the moment. There ended up being really good things, but um, you know, I never wanted to be a baker in my life because I saw how hard my parents worked. But that kind of fell into my lap, and then I realized this: look, look, this is a tangible skill set that I can now use that's going to actually put foot on the table and, and feed me and my family. Mm -hmm. In fact. Because of that specific skill set and the skills that my dad learned me when I was a little kid, it actually allowed me to legalize and, and acquire permanent status, you know, in the United States, first residency and then citizenship. It was all because of little unique skill to, to make very unique type of bread. And the skill was not, you know, there were not, there were not enough labor supply for that skill in the United States. So I was like, ta-da, here I am, right? You want to keep me? <laughs> And then because of that, you know, I also, but I always wanted to learn more. So I was looking for more opportunities. So I found a company that was growing. And again, I said, hey, hire me as your consultant, as your guy. I'm going to help you grow. Never consulted in my life. In fact, the type of product they were making, I never made in my life. So they said, okay, we're going to hire you. Well, guess what? I went out and hired myself for another job for a month just to learn what I needed to know to then go and consult and work for this other company. So mm -hmm. I first got an offer, I got hired. Then I went and acquired the skill that I needed to fulfill on a promise that I got hired for, huh. right? From there, I grown, you know, same thing. I applied to another company. I outmaneuvered 45 other applicants for a job for a larger company. And, um, you know, once inside that organization, every year for like four or five years, I kept buying a chunk of a company. They wanted to grow. Every year I saved some money. I said, how about I put some money into the company and buy some of the company? And eventually they wanted out, those partners who started the company wanted out. And I said, I'm just going to keep it. So I wanted to just buy you guys out. Ended up buying them out, owning the company outright. Then ended up selling it. And when I sold it, I actually wanted to be a self-growth coach, a self-development coach and mm -hmm. just you know, run self-growth seminars. Well, that didn't work out. <laughs> But, you know, then I started looking at, you know, what skills do I have? Well, I had a skills at that point of, you know, starting, buying, growing and selling restaurant businesses, which, you know, it's like I could translate those skills to any other business I desired. The skills were the same. But again, you know, it took me about a year and a half, almost two years to translate those skills into an actual tangible process that I could both use for myself and then teach others. Mm -hmm. So let's so, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I went to you know when you were talking earlier. I went to dig a little bit more into that the story when you were saying you went to a business and sold them on you know a service you could provide, but didn't even have the skills at the time to provide the service. And you went out and learned it, and then you provided it. So and and I think that that's such an an awesome uh, approach to take because I, I do think sometimes people wait until you know they 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 wait too long. To sell something, I love the Richard Branson quote where where he says, you know, if, if someone asks you if you can do something, you say yes, and then you figure it out, <laughs> you know, later on. Yeah. Um. But I I'm curious with that, how do you sell that? Like, how do you sell yourself to someone if you don't even have the skill set yet? Like, how does that process work? 
You know, the process works exactly how every sales transaction works in, in the universe. Mm -hmm. And people think that in order to sell, you need to have technical know-how. And granted, there are processes, you know, if you sell a multi-multi-million dollar, some sort of technology system, you, there is a time where you discuss technical know-how and, and, you know, the, the, the parameters. But the one thing that sells, what selling is all about is a transference of confidence. Mm -hmm. There's the first thing. If the buyer does not believe, does not sense from you that you have this overwhelming sense of confidence that I am your guy, I can help you, I understand your problem, I've, I've either got the solution or I can bring the solution to the table, then they will not buy. Hmm. All right. So that's the first thing is, and you know, the first sale you've got to make is the sale on yourself. You've got to buy into your own abilities and capabilities. You know, this morning I talked to a gentleman who's got like by all stretches of imagination, incredible skill sets. I mean, this guy, you know, nearly single-handedly built a, a five or $7 million consulting company um, by, by knowing how to drive traffic to it. He's helped another company launch to 20 millions who just, you know, he's organized multiple seven-figure launches for products and, and programs all because he's got a very unique skill set. Mm -hmm. And now he wants to do it kind of completely independently outside of any other companies. And he says, well, you know, one of the things is there are some guys that are, that are you know, that they talk about different strategies that I don't know and I've got a little confidence issue. And I'm thinking, wow, dude, <laughs> it's like I'll kiss your feet to teach me one tenth of what you know. And, and you've got confidence issues because you don't think you know enough. And unfortunately, that's what most people do. They focus on what they don't know instead of what they do know. So, you know, I teach entrepreneurs today. I, I try to follow the same thing. First, I want to make sure that there is a buyer for what I want to sell. Hmm. So it, it's a job interview. Hey, do they want? So my job is to learn what's the, what this company is all about, understand their issues, understand what they want. And decide for myself, do I want to go into that area? Is it something I could possibly figure out and learn? Do I want to do that? And if the answer is yes, then I want to figure out everything there is to know about this company so I can close the transaction. Once I close the transaction, then I need to work my tail off to make sure I deliver on my promises. Mm -hmm. But the first thing is, there is no point of acquiring skills, getting certifications, you know, building an library of products or know-how if there is no one who wants to pay me for it. It's, right. it's useless baggage. So how do you how do you do that first? How do you figure out that there's someone who wants to pay you for it? Uh, what's, what's what's your research process? What, what's involved in that? So, you know, one thing is being observant, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, if you go to a typical, this is something I learned from a friend of mine. If you go to a typical seminar and you see people taking notes, and again, it's kind of a, a you know a, a process we learn in school. You listen to the teacher and you take copious notes. Why? Because in school you will be tested on, did you remember what was being taught, what was being said and taught? Well, in real life, there is no test to you remember the definition of what something is. Mm -hmm. The real test is what are you gonna do with it? So, you know, I sit, next to, I sit next to friends at seminars and they take copious notes and they see I've got a three-day seminar, I've got one page and they go like, do you remember all this? I'm not. Like, all of this stuff is useless to me. They go, what do you mean it's useless? I'm like, it's useless. What's useful to me is the ideas I get out of it. Hmm. And what's useful to me, for example, is I sit in the seminar and then, you know, every once in a while, somebody raises their hand and go like, well, this is all great, but how do I do that? And then another person raises and go like, but how do I do that? And, you know, you've got three to five people asking the same question. You go, wait a second. 
nobody's addressing that question. There's an opportunity there. Mm. That's that's what I write in that piece of paper. I'm like, hey, my next program, my next email, my next offer, it's got to address at least partially that problem because nobody addresses it. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm listening for. There is a need that nobody addresses or not to a degree that it should be addressed. Okay. I like that. And so outside of just seminars, what, what other sort of resources do you use to, to gather that, I guess, market data on yeah. what people well, to, want? Need? Today, uh, it's so, so there's a couple of things. Number one, obviously, the faithful Google. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so simple. Number two, if you can find any type of industry groups, clubs, organizations that you can become a part of or at least visit. Um, number three, connect, reach out to people and just pick up the phone. You know, phone is one of those tools that, that people lose the phone skills. They prefer to email and text. <laughs> and I tell you, you know, by the time it takes back and forth email, if you just get on a phone with someone for half an hour, you can learn so much. Get on the phone, ask questions and shut up. And people will tell you everything there is to 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 know. So Google research organizations, you know, online, make connections. Facebook and LinkedIn have so many different industry groups. If you need to know anything, go and find those groups. Um, you know, you can on both Facebook and Twitter and on Google actually as well, you can do searches with specific keywords. So for example, you can search things like how do I plus specific word. Right. So if you're looking for specific subjects, you may want to you you will find out what do people are asking, like type in how do I and see what people are searching for. Mm -hmm. Right. Any of those searches significant enough and any of those searches, uh, any of those searches on topics that you're going to go like, gee, I know this. I can answer that. Right. Right. So so you go and you find out the marketplace wants X, Y, and Z, and then you say, okay, let me go and learn this thing if I don't already know it. What's your learning process? Because you seem to be someone who can quickly get up to speed on things you don't know anything about. What's involved in that for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, that is an interesting point because not everybody is wired the same way. So I think that you've got to understand how you are wired. Some people are a lot more, you know, step-by-step process-oriented and I can create processes, but I don't need to understand everything to come up with a process. Versus some people will not even get started until they have like everything, right? So you need to understand your own wiring. For me, pretty much like you said, I, uh, you know, I learned quickly. I prefer to learn by doing and dissecting. So... You know, I remember in my, you know, early days, I would find some junk piece of equipment or machinery or whatever. I would take it apart. And, you know, now I just wanted to know how it's built, you know, what's inside. So I think for everybody, the biggest thing you can develop is curiosity. Hmm. Think, why do kids learn so fast? Because they're curious, right? It's like to the point where they get annoying. Like, mom, why do I want to know? Why this? Because of that. Well, why? 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 I'm the same way. You start conversation with me and, you know, this is kind of, these are the most uncomfortable conversations for me, conversations for me, Michael, because I get to answer questions. <laughs> I much prefer, naturally, I've built my curiosity to the level of such, you know, insatiable level that, you know, I want to know everything. There's like, why are you doing this? How is this working? How did you, kind of like, what are you doing? I mm. love your role. Because if you're curious, you can find out anything so quickly today. Right, right. And then once you find out a little bit, go and start playing with it. You know, most things you can't break. People are so afraid to click on buttons or push things or go and say something. You know, let me tell you, everything is so um, 
temporary in terms of people's attention spans and memories uh, and, and equipment and software is so forgivable. You can't break any darn thing. Trust me, right? So just go push buttons, go have conversations. Even if you ask or say the wrong things from here and here and there, believe me, it's gonna be forgotten very quickly. And the payoff, the flip side is so tremendous that it's way worth it. Right. No, I think you make a great point there because I remember even before I launched my podcast, you know, I was I was uh, nervous and self-conscious about, oh, what am I going to sound like? And I know mm-hmm. that so many other podcast hosts have, have said the same thing. You know, I remember, um, you know, I was listening to an episode of Smart Passive Income, uh, Pat Flynn's podcast, and he was saying when you guys started, felt he felt the exact same way, like, a, like uh, you know, am I going to sound silly or, or whatever? But it's like in the beginning, no one's listening anyway. <laughs> no one even knows you have a podcast or you have a blog or you have a coaching service or you have a YouTube channel or whatever it may be. So it's like you kind of have the flexibility to do whatever you want because there's no audience there. <laughs> and, and then by the time you you know go through the motions and actually learn what you're doing and people start listening, you've improved. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> you know, universe is wired in such an, such an amazing way because, yeah, like people would come and say, well, how do I do a webinar and how do I have a thousand people? And I'm like, you don't want to have a thousand people on your first webinar, <laughs> right? And so, well, I, I don't want to do a webinar unless I have like a hundred people. I'm like, well, you're pretty much an idiot because believe me, if you're only going to have 10 people on your webinar, it's a blessing because those are the only 10 people that are going to witness how miserable you were the first <laughs> time out of the gate, right? So just let it be and then focus on being better. Right. You know, Michael, I so appreciate you saying this because, look, um, people want to get into podcasting, but then they get like three months of training, how to ask the right questions on a podcast. And here you are showing up and you're just being attentive and you have a conversation and you're naturally curious. You don't have to think about what my next question will be. It's going to come up, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to study for this. You don't have to prepare for six months. And some people do. Right, right. Right. And then they worry about perfection. You know who uh, Derek Halpern is? Yeah. So... You know, just came to mind because Derek's been pretty much early on. He got into video. So if you look back, I don't even know how many years it is now, five or six years it's been online. If you look back at some of his first videos, I mean, he looked like a dork, right? His (laughs) hairstyle, his clothes. And look at the guy now. And, you know, had he wanted to create the videos like he creates right now, he would have never gotten started. Right. And I think that's the point. Start where you are. Start with what you've got. But you've got to get started. I don't know what signs you can see behind me. Uh, yeah, I can see the action and leverage. There we go. Yeah, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly to start with. It's like <laughs> yeah. one of my, and you know, the opposite is true as well. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing the great way to start with. But this one for startups, it's the most appropriate one. Mm-hmm. You know, Apple didn't come up with Apple 7 right out of the gate. They came up with iPod first, right? Then they turned into a phone. And every model they came up with, some of them, I remember there was like one, I think it was like iPhone, iPhone 4 or something that came out that did everything except phone calls. Remember that? <laughs> had like a huge antenna problems. Right. So, you know, big companies are launching products that have imperfections. What makes you think that you're going to come up with the perfect thing right out of the gate? Forget about it. Just go do something. Right, right. No, I really love that. And I think that that's so true. You have to you have to learn through the process. You know, you just get started and just, you know, don't worry about uh, being perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we talked about something a little bit uh, earlier that I, I love that, you know, we were talking about imperfection. You were talking about webinars. Um, and so... Um, I want to I want to get into this this whole marketing thing and lead generation and, and whatever else and the kind of advice you give your clients uh, and I know that right now you know live video and webinars are like such a huge huge piece 
Um, what sort of advice do you give to people when they want to get started with that, and they're and they're you know either afraid to do it or they're just not sure how to have how to be effective with with both? Yeah. So very cool. Okay. Well, let's. You want how nitty gritty do you want to get with that? I want to get as nitty gritty as possible. I like getting in the weeds. Oh, I want to. All right. <laughs> let's get some meat in there. So you know, I'll give you an idea. I've got a client right now that's like started her business in um, you know exactly ninety day ninety day, exactly ninety days ago. In just under 90 day mark, you know, she brought from starting her business to exactly under 90 day mark, $100,000 in business. Got another guy that just started his business eight weeks ago, exactly in eight weeks, $62,000 in business. And it's like, I can cite stories, story and story and story after this. So what is the process, right? Now here, here's something else that's interesting about those examples. They don't have a website. Hmm. They don't have a list. They don't even have a freaking business card. So, you know, it's like, how do they do that, right? Now, look, in, to, to be completely fair and transparent, they're not launching another, you know, Oracle, another Facebook or another Google. They're not launching, launching big technology companies. They're launching professional services, coaching, consulting, training type. Essentially, they have an expertise or passion for something and are willing to develop expertise very quickly. And they're finding, okay, where is that needed in the market? And how do I deliver it to the market in a way that people want to buy, you know, want to pay for it? Mm -hmm. So uh, let me first talk about kind of the psychology behind it. Then we can get into the, the nitty gritty methodology. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are always, which by the way, just brings me to a very key point. When you're building a business, you've got those two areas. You've got psychology and you've got technology. So psychology is partially mindset, but it's also the big picture strategy. What are you actually trying to do? Who is your market? What's the problem? How are you going to address that problem? How are you going to deliver it? How are you going to monetize it? Those are the big pictures. And technology or methodology is the tactics. It's like, well, should I do a webinar? You know, which platform should I use to deliver my podcast? You know, what microphone do I use? Mm -hmm. People get focused on methodology and technology 99% of the time. And in reality, it's got to be flipped. 99% needs to be devoted to psychology and a strategy. Technology will reveal itself when when it's, you know, when, when push comes to shove, you know, you pick up a rock and make it work as a hammer, right? So <laughs> don't worry about the technology. So um, the process I take people through is what I call the, the Wright Brothers method. Hmm. And the Wright Brothers are known for the people who flew the first plane, right? Mm -hmm. But what most people don't know that at the time there was so much pressure because the race was on who's going to be the first one, who's going to be known as the first person to achieve flight. And Wright Brothers had a breakthrough that gave them that advantage. And this is why they're unknown. Do you know who was the second person? I don't. I don't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right? Yeah. So what gave them that advantage? You see, everybody in the race focused on what kind of engine do we need to have to have so much power to lift that machinery off the ground. And the Wright brothers had a breakthrough. And I say, hey, what about if we build something that glides? Hmm. If it glides, then any engine will do to propel it forward. And that gave them the advantage hmm. because they didn't need much power to glide because that thing was gliding on its own. So in business, what happens, people get, well, do I do a webinar? Do I build a funnel? What does my website look like? The problem is that this is they're focusing on the engine, but they don't yet know if their machinery 
can glide through the air on its own to start with. So what do you want to, so I always say this, make money first, build business second. It's almost like my story, you know, get hired first, then then, then learn the job, <laughs> right? Right, Make right. Make money first, build business second. So that means identify one target market, one problem, and one solution you can deliver. Mm-hmm. And start making offers. Start telling people, look, I can solve this problem for you in this way. Do you want to hire me? Do you want to pay me to do this? Mm-hmm. And look, you can strike up a conversation in a grocery store checkout line. You don't need a big funnel to do this. You don't need a lot of prospects. You don't need a big list. You don't need to be a world-known expert. You don't need to have a book. You need to have anything, just a little bit of strategy, a little bit of confidence to go through that initial inertia and you know and and shyness, and that's how you get started. Hmm. So so you don't have a website. You don't have a list. You don't have you know all these things uh, that that you know people think that you need to have. So where do you where where do you get started? Where where do you find that that first client? Awesome. What what what? How does it work? So the very fastest look. What do you think is the fastest way to acquire a client? Um, calling your mom and asking if she'll <laughs> buy one of your products. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> exactly. So if people say, well, webinar, joint venture, speaking, you know, networking. This is the fastest way. No no no. The fastest thing is go through the list. Of, everybody has a list, by the way. Mm-hmm. It may not be organized in a CRM kind of tool, but everybody has a list. Everybody has acquired contact, contacts, made connections throughout the process of living up to this point. So if you identify, I'm gonna solve this kind of problem for this kind of person, you go through your quote unquote list, your Rolodex, your Google address book, your phone, and you go, hey, out of the 250 people that I have in there, you know, which 25 could either become a client or it could connect me with a client. Hmm. And let me let me call them, let me chat them up, let me see what's up. It's just that simple. Now there is a little of a process of, you know, how do you structure those conversations, right? Hmm. But that is one of the fastest ways. So it's like the lowest hanging fruit, the grassroots marketing. You make a list of people that you could be of service to, and I'm very critical sentence, you could be of service to. Hmm. Most people go, who can I sell? You know, don't sell anybody, just show up and be of service. Have a conversations that are being of service. And the sale, if you do it the right way, will take care of itself, all right? Second part is immediately shifting into a teaching mode. Um, you know, again, something I share with clients all the time. You know, when you pitch, people run, but when you teach, people come, hmm. all right? So if you teach more, you will attract more and you end up selling more. So today, look, Facebook, and Facebook Live are probably the most powerful platform if you're targeting millennials, maybe Snapchat, right? Uh, So where does your audience hang out? And start teaching to that audience in any way you can. If your audience is on Instagram, start teaching through little little graphics and little clippets of information on Instagram. If your audience is on Facebook, start teaching. And, you know, your first Facebook Live, you're going to have exactly zero viewers. <laughs> right. That's amazing because nobody saw how miserable you were, right? <laughs> now, your second one, maybe your mom will watch and you're going to have like, it's like, yeah, I've got a viewer. But look, number one, Facebook gives you access to an unlimited audience. So you can start friending people that are that are looking like potential clients. Mm-hmm. If they come to your personal profile and see a couple of those videos, they go like, 
oh, check this out. This Michael guy, this Adam guy. I've got some interesting Facebook lives over there. I've got to like friend them and watch them. Hey, in fact, you know, Susie should watch this. Let me tag Susie and point it to, before you know it, you've got 10 people watching. Before you know it, you've got 100. Mm-hmm. And then you do a Facebook live from your, from, your, from your business profile. Well, guess what? On your business profile, you can use that little boost button and you can, with the precision of a Swiss watchmaker, identify exactly the kind of audience you want to reach. And for, you know, 10 bucks, you can boost that video and now it's now you teaching connecting with people that could be a potential clients. Right. You start right. building that audience, and if you teach, they will be attracted. They go like, "Wow, this is really good stuff. I should pay attention. I should see what's up. What else they have to offer?" Right. Mm. And then another thing I share with clients a lot is like, whatever you teaching, whatever platform you're using, keep it. Keep your call to action for the next step platform congruent. Okay. So. What do I mean by that? You know, if you are on Facebook, if you're giving somebody a URL outside of Facebook, you, it's kind of like eh, now you're taking them out of that environment. They were all warm and cozy and partying together. Now you go like, go out there into the cold, go to my landing page. <laughs> and it's such a disconnect, right? Well, what if instead today you've got things like smart intelligence out of box, right? What if instead he said, look, if you like what I'm saying, just said, you know, I like you, Michael. Right. Just give me a comment. I like you or I want more clients or I want more podcast views or whatever it is that you would be teaching on. Right. Mm -hmm. If they make that comment, you can now follow up with them either through a automatic bot or you can privately send messages or comment under and say, hey, I'm so glad you stopped by my podcast. You know, here's a little resource I put together. You may want to check it out. So if you comment with a link, it's different than if you just directly send them somewhere. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Another thing that's platform congruent, start Facebook groups are all the rage today. And they may not work a year from now, not just as well as they work today. But today, they're one of the most genius inventions. Michael, I run $50,000 a month coaching programs entirely, entirely through Facebook groups. Hmm. I use zero other tools. Facebook Live for training. Facebook group is the most secure group you have. Nobody can hack it. Unless you click, you add them to the group, they can't get to the group. Right. If you don't like them, if they don't pay, you kick them out of the group. <laughs> if you post a video in the group, they can't share it outside. You don't need any other membership platform. It's right there. Hmm. Right. But I'm talking about free groups to start with. So if you're teaching a video, you can say, look, if you like these tips, on Thursday, I'm actually teaching a 60-minute Facebook Live. It's completely free. Just join my group. Go to, you know, give the look look for this group. Join me there. It's completely free. Hmm. Well, now you start building a following where you have complete influence over. Interesting. So, so how do you? Uh, what's the best way to build a group and to get engagement in that group? How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> we have as long as uh, as long as you want to go for. I don't know yeah. what your schedule's like, but we. So, <laughs> Let me switch the question. Right? Yeah. I mean, you asked a great question. What is the best way? Mm-hmm. All right. But in a way, asking a question just like that, like what is the best way to get clients? What is the best way to get visibility? You know, what's the best way to get engagement is what keeps people stuck. Because mm-hmm. what you want to ask yourself is like, what would if I were in the group, what would engage me? Right. Uh, and another question is, what can I do that would engage people? Another thing is, what would I like to do 
that would engage people? What would make this fun for me? Because if you if you strictly focus on like this is the best, somebody said this is the best strategy. Like today, at this very moment, you see a lot of questions on Facebook that are like, hey, what do you think is this? Like stupid questions, but they get engagement. You see, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? right yeah. <laughs> and you see a lot of them, and I actually see a few people jumping on board, going like, if you want to, you know, I've got this crazy training, how to get this involvement on Facebook. It's like it's not an involvement. It's an it's like posting a picture of a cat because it got a lot of likes. Well, it might get me a million likes, but will it get me a single fifty thousand dollar client? Probably not. Right. So what do I care? It's got a million likes. So what would engage your 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 community? Be of service. Remember, people come there for their reasons. So what are the what's the reasons that that they want? For example, if you're looking for entrepreneurs, they all want to talk about what they do. Mm-hmm. So one way to engage. Give them a chance, you know, once a week or so to self-promote. The people always want to know, you know, they want to show up how smart they are. So give them a chance to maybe answer a question or share like a best resource on it. Like, what's your best productivity tip? Ask them to share. All right. Uh, maybe engage them in even a common goal. So say, look, I put together this amazing resource where, you know, 75 members, when we hit 100 I'm going to post this amazing resource that I would charge a hundred bucks for, but I'm going to give it to everybody here for free mm-hmm. as we, as we gain momentum, you know, it's like rally people around to help you build momentum. Mm. Uh, in, you know, do Facebook lives or exclusive Facebook lives, do Q and A's ask people, Hey, next topic, what do you want me to cover? You know, if, if you don't want to be that broad, give them three suggestions, say, which one do you want me to cover next? And once they tell you, maybe ask, okay, so on this topic, what specific questions would you want me to answer? So what happens? People get engaged, but very importantly, you're speaking specifically to their needs. Mm-hmm. Are you answering their questions? Of course, they're going to be there and listen and participate. Now, does it matter? Because, you know, we were talking before about, uh, you know, having that webinar and there's only one person watching or doing your first um, you know, Facebook Live, and there's there's no one there. Let's say you start a Facebook group, and there's like you know one person joins the group, and they can see there's only one person in the group. Like, there always will be. Does, does that does I guess is that something? Is there I guess is there a strategy to like getting a, a, a decent number up front, or does it really not even matter that there's only one person in the group? Well, there are two parts. So one is it really doesn't matter. Like I have one client right now that started a group for um, clients who invest in a specific offer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like, you know, she invited me and, you know, by the time I got there, she had like three other people. It's a pretty tiny group, right? Mm-hmm. It's just getting started. But um, at the same time, you know, these people are now forming community because now they get to know each other very well because there's like only four of us, right? right. And then as more are coming, it's going to get merrier. But everybody starts somewhere. So I said, you know, don't worry about what other people think. Do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you know, unless you've lived under the rock somewhere, chances are you've got some people that are interested in the same things you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Invite them. But, you know, do it the right way. Don't just add them to a group. Maybe let them know in advance, hey, I've got this thing going on. Um, would you like me to add you or would you like to join? And some people, many people will say yes, because number one, they probably like you, they want to support you. Number two, they're probably interested in the topic, so they want to just be there, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so number one was don't care what, you know, don't mind other people so much on what they think. Number two, invite people that you already know that might be interested in a topic. And number three, you know, be smart about it and give yourself a little bit of um, momentum. 
So for example, you know, teach a few Facebook lives on your personal profile, get a little bit of momentum going on, and then make an announcement and say, hey, I've got this, you know, more in-depth training coming, or I'm starting this group, it's gonna open on a certain day. Mm-hmm. Almost like a little mini launch, prepare people a little bit so when you open it, uh, also give them an incentive to go. So look, what I'm doing is I'm giving away, you know, a free webinar success blueprint. But I want to build a group around webinars, right? I'm giving my webinar success blueprint away completely free. Uh, all you got to do is just, it's in my group, go here. Right. Okay. And people will start going for their own, you know, reasons because they want that blueprint. But meanwhile, they just joined your group. Right, right. Okay. Man, well, Adam, I could talk to you like all day <laughs> <laughs> about these uh, great topics and, and the advice that uh, that you have. Um, but I want to know before we close out, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business and find out more about these awesome, uh, awesome advice that you have? It's very simple. You just Google the marketing God and I come up (laughs) and then I wake up, right? (laughs) So just go to, uh, the marketing mentors. That's T H E marketing mentors.com. Or, you know, look me up on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, Adam Rubansky and uh, just Google Adam Rubansky marketing. I should come up. So. Sounds good. Perfect. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. That was Adam Urbanski from TheMarketingMentors.com. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week. I'll be speaking with Kamanzi Constable, and he'll be talking about how to sell digital marketing services to corporations and how to land writing gigs with large publications such as Entrepreneur Magazine and The Huffington Post. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>